Thank you for joining us for episode 67 of Motorific. I am Joanne, back with my awesome co-host, Christy Farrell. Howdy. Sorry for the delay, but there was a slight delay on my part this time. I think we're taking turns, so mm-hmm. now it's my turn. Sorry about that. I'll delve into that in a minute. Uh, I, Even though I had a little incident, I still ended up going down to West Virginia, which I think I've been rambling on about for months now because I love riding down there. So I went up, ended up going down there um, in the car, which was, it was good. It was actually really good. Turned out to be pretty cool. And then mm-hmm. uh, Christy's got a couple of news stories for us. So As well as some good riding in uh, Santa Barbara. And some riding. So we'll chit chat a little about that. Yeah. All right, let's get some uh, news stories and stuff out of the way first. Yeah, some of the deep stuff. In addition to the probably half dozen recalls already. It should not surprise you to know that Ducati also has some uh, affected models Oops. with the Olin's recall. Certain model year 2014 1199 Panigale S, 1199 Superleggera, and 1199 Panigale R motorcycles also have an Olin's shock issue. Something about loose nuts affecting your performance. If you happen to have any of those Ducatis, you might want to contact your dealer just to find out uh, when you can drop that sucker off and get it fixed. Pretty much any recent motorcycle you own with a re- with an Olin's uh, shock or yeah, you should probably just find out what the status is on that since it seems like every single thing they made for any motorcycle is being recalled. In other news, American Iron Victory celebrated their third place podium finish for the TT0. As you know, that is the only uh only American Iron entry, I think, into the, the TT. They didn't really cover all the different groups that entered electric bikes. But they had a 111 mile per hour lap that they clocked. And that was with Lee Johnson, who was one of two people riding victories in the TT. The other was supposed to be Dunlop, but he was injured. So... Fortunately, Guy Martin stepped in, who actually mm-hmm. I think that's kind of a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Guy Martin rode a, a Victory Bramo uh, electric bike. That's pretty awesome. He stepped in to ride on behalf of William Dunlop, and he placed fourth uh, with a 109.7 mile per hour lap. So needless to say, pretty awesome that everything was so well received and everything kind of played out pretty well for the first time at the TT. Next up, Victory also getting a little more experimental in addition to electric bikes, which, of course, you know, Polaris bought Bramo, and that's kind of the reason why Victory and Bramo got together to uh, to re-envision a bike for the TT. They're also stepping into the drag racing field, and as well, Project 156, uh, which is the Pikes Peak International Hill Climb in Colorado Springs. Roland Sands basically developed his own version, uh, his own platform and uh, engine for this particular race, and 156 is, I believe, the number of turns that's uh, in that 12 to 14 mile stretch of pike. That project has been underway for a little bit. They did their first round of testing as there are two practice rounds that Pikes Peak offers, two weekends, and then the final is actually this weekend. They had a couple of hiccups with the design based on the fact that, you know, you're you're building a bike at zero elevation basically, above sea level, cuz Roland Sands is based out of Southern California. And you have to develop a bike that can handle the kind of depleted oxygen that you get up where you're at in pikes. So some of the problems they had were related to that, which with some fine tuning, you can improve that. They also had a pretty gnarly crash up there. And fortunately, the guardrail prevented the bike from going over the side and into the abyss. As that bike is a prototype and there are no second. There was still three feet of snowdrifts on the ground at the top of that race course last month. I don't know if there was still... It looked like the snow was a little bit recessed, but literally a month ago, a couple weeks ago, they actually had three feet of snow on the ground. It's also like over 100 in Southern California, so if you don't believe in global warming, it's a whole other podcast. It's Um, 90 here. Yeah, it's it's incredibly hot and apparently not in Colorado. So wow. Pikes Peak Hill Climb, uh, Don Kinney, a uh, really, really cool dude, awesome rider with Cycle World, will be piloting the 156 uh, Victory Prototype this weekend 
as well as uh, Moto Geo Jamie Robinson is going to be riding a Multistrada, Ducati Multistrada. So some exciting stuff if you're uh, if you're around. I believe they do a radio broadcast of that live. So we will try to look for uh, a way that you can listen to that, and we will post it on our show notes. Well, congratulations, Victory slash Bramo. It'll always be Bramo for me first, then Victory. Yeah. But snow, crazy. Yeah, it was already cold at 3 o'clock in the morning. I can't imagine what cold is redefined as when it's 3 o'clock in the morning with three feet of snowdrifts on the ground. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I I, right now I can't even think about snowdrifts. It's <laughs> so hot and muggy here, it, which I'm not complaining about. It's, it's actually really hot in my recording closet, but I like... <laughs> I actually kind of like the warm weather. I I just love not having to wear sweaters and pants and boots, and I like being to wear able to wear flip flops and skirts all the time. It's kind of kind of mm. neat. I really yeah, I need to like sort that. out some. Uh, well, I mean, I I could wear my my Dainese Drake Airs without the liner underneath. There's no liner in there. What do you mean? No, well, my own little base layer. Oh, yeah, it's not gonna help. You want to wear those? Yeah, see, I I need some pants that have some more ventilation. Um, for you, got a, I've got a whole lot of Gore-Tex and then some, nah, not the most form-fitting Alpine Stars jeans. So, I don't know. For you, for mesh, I'm trying to think what I would recommend for you. See, I'd recommend a Drake if it were a regular customer. You could fit yeah. into an Airwave. They're a little high-waisted, but they would fit you. Um, what else would work for you without being too big? I don't think Speedy makes a mesh pant yet. Otherwise, I'd recommend a Speedy. But we can figure that out later. So um, that hot weather riding. It's its really not so much probably the riding as much as it no, is the changing the oil in the driveway in the heat. That's thats what I oh. have. That's the reason why I'm not going to be going out why anytime I, soon. Why don't you push your bike into the covered part and do it there? It is in the covered part, but it's still hot outside. Uh, <laughs> I would well, love to have an air-conditioned uh, garage. Yeah, well, that's a different issue. Can't help you there. I need a I need a moto shop with air conditioning <laughs> that I can work on. Um, yeah, and until then, lay flat on your back in your garage for about four hours in the heat, trying to take a skid plate off and do a proper motion. Put something down on the ground. I put I uh, one of. I had an extra. Um, you know those shower mats that are spongy and they soak up a lot of water? Well, they're great to sit on in the garage as you're checking your tires, hmm. cleaning your chain, and cleaning your bike. So that's what I put on the ground. It's just something soft to have on the ground. And then I went to uh, Harbor Freight. Have you ever been to the Harbor Freight? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Got a $30 rolly chair so I could put my ut- utensils and tools under my seat as I roll around the bike. And clean it mm. a bit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. It's great. So those are my, Fancy. Those are my must-needs, must-haves for my, uh, my, my little garage. Yeah, so I need to endeavor to do that shortly. And I'm just dreading, dreading the pain of taking off that skid plate. Oh. Oh, you need a lift. Mm. Mm. Oh, speaking of lift, see, this is why I think they make well. They might make something for your bike. I know they make something for us sporty bikes. Um, we sell them on Ramzella. They're called Bursig stands, B U R S I G, and that it's basically a little center stand that p- pushes the bike up off the ground like a foot. So it's not a full ramp or anything, but it at least you can get the bike up on the center stand higher than you know five inches off the ground. Actually puts it up high enough for you to actually work on it so you're not lying on the ground. I guess it's a yeah. pit thing. A lot of crews, a lot of you know, racers have them. You know, it's not the laying on the ground part that matters as much. Mm. It's the fact that the nut that attaches to the bolt that goes oh. through the main anchor point. So there are four bolts on the bottom oh. that hold the skid plate to the engine. That's not a problem. Oh. But there is a long bolt that connects uh, the skid plate kind of like hinge point underneath the underneath the oil filter and the bolt goes in and you have to take this nut and the only way to get the nut in you can't slide your fingers in because the thing comes up really high to protect your oil filter from getting hit okay 
the only way to get in there is with a tiny needle nose pliers, slide it through oh. a hole oh. in the side. It's like the most awkward positioning ever. Oh. And I'm just, even the mechanic at BMW was like, oh, God, I had to remove your skid plate to do some stuff. And it was like the biggest headache ever. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I totally feel your pain. <laughs> so that's kind of why I'm dreading this. I have a, a boyfriend with a lift in a garage, and he's like, bring it on down whenever I, you know, get the lift in there. I'm it's, like, uh, yeah, maybe I'll just, yeah, better. by the time he gets his garage in order, I'll be long done with this thing. Oh. Um, it's a different thing. But anyway, so so uh, I did go on a really nifty ride. After not riding for God, amazing amount of time, my uh, my riding buddy and I met up in Ventura at our usual little coffee shop. Oh. And from Ventura, we went up towards Montecito, cut through Montecito to get to uh, Camino de Cielo, I think is the name mm. of it. And basically, it's this little two-lane road that grows um, on the backside of uh, Montecito and Santa Barbara. And then you cut over to 154. Mm. And, you know, judging by the name, you kind of realize, okay, yeah, you're above the clouds because... We originally started, it was kind of a cloudy, cloudy day. I could see that we were climbing in elevation. It was great. There is, might be clouds ahead, but at the moment I was two thirds of the way up this mountain. It was gorgeous. And I'm kind of reluctantly turning my head a little bit to check out some of the scenery as we're riding Mm -hmm. and thought to myself, I wonder if I should stop and take a picture because it's going to go south almost instantly when we hit the clouds. And lo and behold, we stop at the top of the mountain and it is wide out everywhere. Hmm. So I pull over and I've got these shots of the BMW on a dirt road. And uh-huh. there's like white all around it. There's nothing. Can't see anything. I'm like, yeah, there's something exciting down there. <laughs> you can like take pictures and, and look to see that the hill looks pretty steep if you were to continue going over the edge. But you really can't see bottom. So we kept plowing ahead. And finally, when we got to the top, there was an OHV park on, in one direction that went on the backside of this mountain. And we stayed on the ocean side of the mountain. And finally, the, the, we were above the clouds, above the cloud cover. And it felt like I was in an airplane on the wing looking out and seeing just the clouds below me. It was amazing. So I did take quite a few pictures of that. If you follow me, Instagram.com, Motorific Media, one word, that is my Instagram account. So I posted a couple of those pictures. After we hit 154, we cruised into Solvang. And on our way into Solvang, I looked over and I was like, that town looks cool. Let's go there. And it was just kind of like a, a day that because we hadn't been riding so much, we set aside the whole day to just explore. So mm-hmm. if Grant felt like he wanted to check something out, I followed him. If I wanted to check something out, and he followed me, and so I turn in to see Santa Paula, and there is, like, a vintage tractor show and, like, kind of, oh. you know, kind of sawdust, uh, sawdust festival come uh, hay bales on the ground, and everyone kind of out eating barbecue and mm. farmer's market and interesting stuff, beer tasting, and uh, just really cool, like, the facades of this town is set-worthy. Just vintage, like what you'd imagine small-time towns are in Colorado. Hmm. Um, So that was cool, just walking around and checking things out, checking out vintage tractors. And uh, popped back on our bikes, went to Solvang, walked around Solvang a little bit. Got uh, coffee and pastries. Got some pull-apart bread. Did you go to the museum? No, did not. I I figured I wanted to earmark quite a few hours for that, and Mm -hmm. we just, you know, at that point, we were on the road for a while. So I went back through Santa Barbara through 126, which is the Fillmore area, and stopped off at my favorite winery. So I had to load up with some wine. And, you know, once I got home, it was port and cinnamon pull-apart bread. So, you know, not a bad day. (laughs) Plenty of awesome photos. My back was a little sore from all the the riding, but... Mm. uh, you know, it was nice getting out. I honestly haven't been out in quite some time. It's amazing what happens when you date someone that's, you know, in the motorcycle industry and you think, oh, we're going to go riding every weekend. This is going to be great. Nope. It's all about moving and kitchen remodels and <laughs> being a great girlfriend. So there you go. 
<laughs> There's plenty of time. You have like 12 months left of the year or whatever to ride, so don't worry. <laughs> In December, you can go out riding again. It's all good. I know. So my So my next big riding event, which I hope anyone in Southern California who is interested in coming along, uh, World Superbike, which I think is uh, July 17th, 18th, and 19th. It's mm-hmm. a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. World Superbike comes back to Laguna Seca. I will be up there that weekend. I will be riding from Los Angeles on Friday, be taking some cool roads, probably be joined by some folks from the AMA and... Maybe if I'm lucky, I'll be on a fancy bike that hasn't yet been imported to the U.S. And maybe if I'm lucky, I'll be able to crash a a motorcycle museum that hasn't yet been opened. So um, got all those possibilities. So if you are interested in joining, just contact me via Twitter or through our website. We'll chat. But I, I hope to see people there. Hope people come up and check out World Superbike. Would be would be awesome to meet up. You might see if you're in the paddock, you'll see my coworker Bobby. Ow. And ow. It's a bad elbow too. Yeah, uh, is he flying out? Yeah, he always flies out for Superbike. Well, I think he went out last year too. I think he likes going every or uh-huh. as often as he can. Um but he'll be there with his girlfriend. He's impossible to miss. He's skinny. Older gentleman, wild hair. Just remember the wild hair. Yeah, he weighs like a buck ten or something. He's just very small. He'll have a cane with him because he has a bad ankle and a bad hip, so he can't walk all day long. And he'll hop in the pad, be walking back there. Um, he's a huge superbike fan because he's a he has an RSV4, so I'm sure he'll be rooting for Aprilia. Um, so I'm sure you'll see him wandering around back there. Coworker Revzilla, mm-hmm. Bobby. Wow. He'll be hard to miss. I think we need Does to he him. ride still? He track. Track days only. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm he amazed is. he can't even have a track day. The guy's limping. But you're not limping when you're on the bike. You're, sure. only, you're only limping when you get to the bike. Once you're on, it doesn't really matter at that point. <laughs> yep. Got it. So street track only. So it's a fully tracked out RSV4. So you'll see him. You want to, yeah. You'll write, you'll know. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you see him. Um, but World Tour Bike does sound great. Hmm. Let's see. My next trip is going to be the week after 4th of July. And not even a long trip. Just after work on Saturday, I'm going to ride up to Newark and then come back Monday. Nothing fancy. <gasps> Jersey? No, I'm not going to go to Jersey. What? Isn't Newark in Jersey? Oh, New York. Oh, New York. Yeah, I'm going to go Sorry, up. Sorry, I thought you said Newark. No. No, not that exciting. I'm going to go up to <laughs> New York. Uh, I think it's Hancock, New York, so it's right at the border, close to the Catskills. Something like Ooh. that. Yeah, I'm going to meet my friends up there and maybe go riding. So I'm hoping for July, the weekend after, the week after 4th of July. And then after that, my next event is September. So far, I've only planned the sport bike rally, women's sport bike rally in September at Deals Gap. And uh, it's a Friday and Saturday. It is September, I believe. Uh, it's after Labor Day weekend. So 11th and 12th. Not Labor Day weekend. The weekend after Labor Day weekend. And it's down at Deals Gap. Um, not the Deals Gap Resort, but I think it's going to be right next door to the resort or something. Just in that that area. They're going to open registration soon in the next week or two. So... If you go to the Women's Sport Bike Rally website, you can put your email address in to be notified once they announce registration. Look for a special announcement of a sponsorship. That's all I'm going to say about that. And Yep, and check that out. So I'm going to go. So I will be taking a couple days off uh, to go down there. I've always wanted to ride down there, so it should be fun. Nice. So if you live anywhere in the area, come out. You don't have to ride a sport bike, but there's a lot of sport bike talk. There's a lot of sport bikes there, but not. it's not a requirement, you know, to have a sport bike. Um, no, be a rebel. But if you... <laughs> Plus, women in motorcycling, you, it's such a finite number. It is. You know, 
It doesn't matter what you ride as long as you yeah. do ride and you yeah. show up. But so there, honestly, yeah, it, there will be mostly sport bikes present, but they're not going to turn you away because you show up on your BMW or whatever or whatever non-sport bike bike you might have. Some would say, I don't have a sport bike. A lot of people argue that mine isn't a sport bike, which I... Really? I, yeah. I find that so wow. silly. I'm like, well, then what is it? Of course it's a sport bike. Why, why wouldn't it be? Just because it doesn't look like that one? But the definitions are changing, so I don't know. Hmm. But if you... Whatever bike you have, you're a woman, you like riding, like riding twisties, come down. Because the riding right down, even off the dragon, there's incredible riding in that area. And even getting down there riding to there it's there's a lot of incredible riding so it's a really nice really nice ride if you live anywhere near uh dale's gap or near the dragon and then who knows between then i'm sure i will have other weekend rides planned because i can't not you know, mm. you should ride. come out to Asheville for uh, overland expo east when is that august first week first no first weekend of october October, uh, maybe. Um, the way I plan out my vacation time after this, after doing this, the sport bike rally, I'm only going to have one week to go home. So, mm. I, I mean, a week left of vacation. So it's either going to go home. Yeah, I'll probably have to go home. So, uh, yeah, if it changes, I'll, I'll let you know. Are you going to fly out for that? Or right um, well, I'm tossing around my international trip instead of doing... Instead of doing it across my actual birthday, mm-hmm. so uh, second weekend of September, I am thinking about pushing it back so that when I come back into the U.S. on the East Coast, I grab a bike maybe in Florida mm-hmm. and then head all the way up the coast, catch the uh, Overland Expo event the first weekend in October. Mm-hmm. I'm really over my job right now and it is literally wiping out my drive and my excitement for pretty much anything including including writing including writing including this podcast so i'm having a major downer moment where Mm. i'm trying to evaluate what the hell i want to do with my life (laughs) well you may not figure that out very quickly so in the meantime we will try to keep up on some episodes yeah and we'll try to make it your escape Joanne but, but might have, have to, to figure it out. Kicking and screaming to this podcast because no. I'm just not bringing it 100%. No, wipe. Listen, I don't have the most exciting news stories to bring <laughs> as well. I mean, I just have an accident to share, and that's a really all that's exciting. Although, oh, I know. As exciting as accidents are, I did go uh, on my trip anyway to West Virginia. So. And I always like hearing about you hanging out with Tamla. <laughs> well, it was she's so great. I love Tamla. She's like a sister. And um, is this the first time you've seen her since you moved to no, the East Coast? She no, she actually crashed on my couch back in uh, April or May. Right. April, March, April, I think April for like a night. She was passing through, riding up to Maine or New England. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I saw her then, and then remember, I went in April. When um, I thought my bike could put on me, and uh, you know, I rode down there to see her, and and then it poured and it rained, and my bike was being funky, so I came home early. Oh yeah, gotcha. Yeah, saw her. So went back to West Virginia, back to the same place, back to the same resort, the Inn at Mountain Quest, which is a beautiful bed and breakfast in the middle of nowhere in the Monongahela National Forest. There's no cell service because of a radio tower in the area and you it blocks out all the cell signals which is great because you don't need cell phones while you're out riding and enjoying the scenery and it's beautiful so if you followed my instagram at all then you'll see horse photos and more horse photos and farms and goat and sheep and it's just beautiful so it was really relaxing and nice and just it was great and the owners of the resort just treated us like we were family not guests and fed us and took really good care of us and it was just so nice not to have to work or worry about work or answer phone calls 
too much standing on my bad foot. Is is that retreat kind of geared up for couples, or you can do it alone? No, people. No, it. No, it's just you know if you are a couple, then you share a room. You know. No, that's the only difference. Yeah, because who ended up coming was Neil Bailey. And yeah, I was just about to say, how did right? that go? Neil Bailey of Neil Bailey Rides, and then three friends from Ohio. Two on Beamers, one on a, a Harley of some sort. So, all women, by the way. And then Andrew, who is Neil Bailey's good friend. So, because I guess some other people who were planning on coming also had some accidents and issues and things come up. So, it was actually a really small gathering of like six people. It was, fun. It was actually really nice, though. Yeah, including Neil. Including Neil, but... He's <laughs> still recovering from an accident. So... We all were sharing the car together while the girls were out riding and, and mm-hmm. Andrew. So there was a little ride on Saturday with Andrew, Tamala, and the three women. So they're all out they're riding and we're in the car. So all the gimps are in the car. Sorry. All of us injured folks are in the car because we can't ride. So Neil, me, my husband, you know, we're all limping. We're all in pain. Um, it was great. It's like, so we got to spend some time with Neil and it was fun. He's really, he's a fun guy. We have a lot in common in terms of industry, you know, rant and um, our feelings on the state of motorcycling. And um, he commended us for our podcast and the outreach that we try to do with this show and, you know, each of us writing and writing on virtual paper and pencils, um, you know, to reach women. So it was it was fun. He told some interesting stories, and he just seems like a really nice guy and fun person to hang out and ride with. So he really wants us to go riding in Peru next year. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see what happens. You know, that would be all my vacation time for Peru. Maybe I, I, I don't know. I have this dream of, t- of taking all my vacation time and riding back and forth across the country. It's like I want to ride mm. from here. I want to go all the way home and come back. I think I could do it in three weeks. That's What's the furthest you've ridden in the U.S.? Um, I think that would be probably, I guess, West Virginia. I don't know how much further. I, when I was back in San Francisco, I went all the way out to Reno, Carson City. I went, no, oh, I went all the way up to Oregon. So up to the border, up Northern California, over the border of Oregon. So all up the top of Oregon or top of California. And then from Philly, I've ridden all the way up um, out to western Pennsylvania. Punxsutawney. That's... Check out Phil? Yeah, we did. The uh, western PA. And then that's probably the furthest. Maybe not. Maybe west Virginia So was the Oregon ride like 1,200 miles from San Francisco up to Oregon or no? That was a total of about 1,400. One way or... Round trip. No, round trip, because we did three different oh, okay. cities. So 700. Yeah, we did. Yeah, three, three the cities. most I've done is like that 11 or 1200 mile ride. And that was like virtually my first ride, apart from doing like a trip up and down to uh, Mammoth um, a couple years ago mm-hmm. uh, on the Kawasaki uh, 500. It was the uh, trip on the Indian between oh, yeah. Florida and Texas. And that's like the furthest I've done. Yeah, I'd like to do a cross country. I'd I'd like to do a cross country, but I want to have a really good like reason. Something, you like know, a, like an event. Something No, nah, I don't know. Like like people? I don't know. Like seeing specific people? No, nah, something Ow. like that. Like, uh-oh. I still, I'm standing on my bad foot. It's my own fault. All right. Oh. Um, I need to get you like a bar stool. <laughs> oh, it's just, stupid foot is still here. So you don't have to stand in a hot closet and record. See, the, here you go. Oh, I'm complaining about having life issues <laughs> that are seriously demotivating my uh, desire to stay but in valid. this part of the industry. It's totally valid. And Joanne has to stand in a hot closet to record this podcast, <laughs> and she is not even complaining about that. Yet I've got issues. Well, that's because I've been there. Just to give you perspective. And I've done that and I'm over it. That's why. You just you haven't you just gotta get over this hump and then you're like what She loves this podcast so much that she is standing <laughs> on her bad foot in a hot closet, bringing it to no, you live 
from Philly. I'm going to stay on the other foot. I just forget about it. <laughs> I just forgot about that foot because it takes a few minutes until it starts to hurt. Aww. So it's not noticeable until I stay on it for a while. Anyway, don't worry. You'll get over it. It's just, it's a natural cycle we all go through. Yeah. So don't worry. Hang yeah. There. In the interim, if you happen to be listening and you don't want us to uh, go off the air while I'm having my depressive moment, please write in and tell us how awesome we are because I really need that right now. <laughs> yeah. Post a few comments, if you will, and, on, on our Facebook. That'd be great. And thank you to the couple of people that have reached out with some interest in involving us on some projects. So um, oh. that's always, always appreciated. Well, that's, that's, see, that sounds exciting. But uh, so not not necessarily touching upon your accent, but was there any gear that you have to absolutely replace? Um, yeah, I definitely want to replace my jacket and my pants. Um, I posted I posted photos in a very short blog post that I wrote this week. Mm-hmm. I think it's the most recent one. Maybe it's two down. And um, just so you can see my gear. My boots, my jacket, my pants. Those are the three things I want to replace. The helmet, my head never touched the ground, so I have no reason whatsoever. Awesome, because to... that's a badass helmet. Yeah, no, I never put my head down because uh, my body was um, sliding. So that's um, that's what took all the abrasion. Oh, she was wearing the white Revit jacket. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's... Both White my, jackets um, are only good for one crash because you can't get all the dirt and the grime out. <laughs> well, that too, but I just, since I used both hands sliding somehow, both my arms were on the ground and then my stomach a little bit and my, my whole right side, so my up, up and down my leg, my uh, leathers are all torn and the seams opened a little bit on my knees, so. Oh, yeah? Um yeah, because so. the pants just from the quick photo, the pants don't look too bad. No, they're just they're scuffed uh, up and down, but they the seams have are open on the knees. So once your gotcha. seams go, you don't want to tr- you don't want to crash on that again. Because is that the fluffy part along the seam? Is that the actual kind um, of it, it? It's raised. It looks like it's standing up. Yeah. So that flap was sewn down, and then uh, as it. I slid, it opened. So. That means that's going to open up the rest of the seam down the knees. And you generally don't want a lot of seams. Um, I think the reason why these pants have a seam up and down the knee like that is for fit. Is the ergonomic fit of the pant. Because it's not a race pant. So they're not making it that way. So in order to make it a street friendly pant, then I think that just the way that the patterns are cut they're cut that way so that when your knees, you know, when my knees are up, it's really comfortable. And they are. They're really, really comfortable. I never Those feel, are your gear twos, right? Yeah. I, the Revit, yeah, ladies, gear yeah. two leathers. So I never feel discomfort or bunching or any kind of weird seaming on my body. It just feels really good. So I, I'm okay with a seam opening. You know, it's not like it burned down through to my knees. But mm-hmm. since the, you know, leather's pretty much scraped up and scuffed along the legs, I want to replace those. And then the jacket, you know, it pretty much, I noticed on my uh, elbow, I think the right elbow is where I really hurt my elbow. It burned through the leather right close to my wrist bone, like above the wrist bone going up. What is that bone here? Um, I have no idea. Biology, yeah. I think I probably got a really poor score. In. Yeah, me too. I think it's the ulna. It's like the big bone going up your arm, um, mm. or along your forearm. So it burns yeah, so, there. So did your leather, like, break open? Like, no. how did you get the scratchy? It looks like a, a like a abrasion, like skin-hitting pavement. So the leathers don't, they didn't open. The seams opened a little on my knees. But it's uh-huh. not like there's a big hole showing the armor. So uh-huh. the reason why I actually got a little bit of friction burn on my elbow is because it was rubbing inside my jacket. So the sleeves uh-huh. the sleeves aren't skin tight. You know, they're snug. They uh-huh. move a little because 
it's still going to move a little, you know, they're not like, you're not yeah. Velcroed into your jacket. So even though it's snug, it's not tight. So just that little bit of room, my elbows rubbed inside the sleeve. It burned through my icebreaker shirt. Wait, I think oh, I wow. No kidding. Yeah. Hold on. Show it to you. Maybe I should screenshot this. <laughs> Wait, it's here somewhere. I washed it recently. What did I do with it? I'll be sure to post uh, the in the show notes uh, Joanne's write up so you guys can uh, see what we're talking about. I don't. I don't know what I did with it. Um, but I'll I'll find it and I'll show it to you. But yeah, the sleeves basically ripped open. And because wow. that shirt is, it's such a light smart wool. It's really thin. My fingers can rip through that shirt as oh, they yeah. have. No, I have. Yeah, I've got holes in mine too. Well, now it's all <laughs> holes. So the elbow, the sleeve on the shirt ripped and then my skin rubbed against the jacket on the inside. So the friction gotcha. burn is on the inside. I, you know, I, the only thing I could think of that would have prevented that is if I was, as if I was wearing a really fitted race suit. Sure. But it's And, so you know, that kind of level custom is seriously custom. Well, or so, just, no, that's just a one-piece race suit, but I'm not wearing, I'm not going to wear that on the street. That's just not Well, no, I know. Yeah. I'm just saying, in order to get that kind of fit for most women, uh, it's going to yeah. have to be something that's kind of made to Well, made just, to fit. just a more aggressive jacket, but I've also lost a little weight, so my sleeves aren't as snug as they used to be. Um, so that can happen. So then I got the bruising on the elbow just from the impact because your body is still hitting something. I mean, you're going to bruise, your body is going to bruise in places. Even if you have the best body armor on your body, your body's still hitting the armor. But the good news is your armor takes most of that impact. So all you're left with are really ugly bruising. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much all I had. And right, exactly. No broken bones. But I'm bruised just from the the impact. So, like, I yeah. didn't. Ow, wrong foot. I didn't <laughs> land hard, but I low sided because I was making a right turn. So, mm-hmm. since the bike completely lost traction, I slid. But that's enough impact to give me bruising on my foot, my knee, but the side of my knee, the right side, which doesn't have armor. There's no armor on the right side of my leg. It's only over the kneecap, right? So there's bruising. There, I also had bruising on my my elbow. Is that in all the places? Elbow, knee, foot. Nothing on the body. Nothing, no bruising or any marks at all between my knees and my elbow. Wow. Yeah, nothing. Nice. Nope. A little whiplash. You know, my neck was hurting. My shoulders were sore, but nope, nothing, nothing at all. Because in the my body fit is pretty snug. The jacket's pretty tight around my waist and my pants are, you know, really fitted, fairly fitted around my waist. Um, yeah, just worked out that I got a little friction burn on my elbow, but my foot hurts because my foot was between my bike and the ground. Yeah. So it, I ground down the right side of the boot, which is good, but the bike mm-hmm. was still on my foot. You just can't, that's just something that might happen. And uh, you know, I'm not wearing full race boots that might were have those, helped a little, but it's just were a those big the lays, the mm-hmm. CD, my vertigos. Oh, the vertigos, yep. yeah, vertigo lays. So they helped. I mean, I'm sure I would have broken bones in my feet or fractured bones in my feet. So I'm happy to have a bruised foot. They're, it's not green anymore, but it's still sore because just the foot was smushed under the bike. And, yeah, um, yeah, those don't have the. Crazy ankle protection, right? No, they have impact protection. So, you know, on the sides, I've got the impact protectors, which is, for me, what I needed in this particular crash. Mm -hmm. Um, Luckily, I didn't high side, so I wasn't flailing around. You know, it could have been worse. I could have been tossed off, high sided, and maybe broke my ankles. But nothing like that. It was just sliding and my foot under the bike for a little bit enough weight to bruise my right foot so I still am having trouble wearing tight shoes like really tight like I can't wear any of my wedges or 
any cute, hmm. really cute shoes. So I gotta wear like big wide sneakers. Well, I guess, um, and this is something you can advise, uh, a learning curve if you've just seen how very little extra space Joanne had and she, you know, did a low crash and had some bruising. Imagine how much worse that would have been if your jacket really didn't fit and was much bigger. Yeah, I would have, I'd, I'd have burns on my body. I'd probably have burns on my stomach, um, on my back and on my other parts of my arm, I'm sure. Um, I think that my right elbow was one of the first places to, with my knee to hit the ground. So it probably took the hardest hit. My left elbow, I got up, I was on my, I mean, when I stopped moving, I was on my stomach. Um, so I'm sure toward the end, my left elbow was on the ground rubbing a little bit, but I got no bruising, nothing on the left side of my body, completely clear of any pain of anything except just the neck muscle pain. So my right side really took the entire hit of that slide and it was all from low siding. And, um, you know, basically the reason I low sided is because, uh, it was a very unexpected completely unreasonable um, situation where hydraulic fuel was spilled all down the right lane that the lane I was in starting at the apex in a blind at the blind corner of that apex and it it's like black ice you know if you know when you see fuel in the gas station on the ground it looks like water until you're actually stepping in it it's like you don't know that it's I mean, you think it might be fuel, but it could be water. You don't know. It doesn't look any different, but it feels different when you walk on it. It's it's like feels like oil. It's like grease, but it's black. So that's just something that normal people don't leak that all over the lane for like a hundred yards into the next lane, into the next street. Yeah. Or, or if you're in parts of uh, L.A., n- normal people don't intentionally drop that stuff in the apex of a curve to keep you off the roads. No, but thank God that wasn't it. But there was a driveway that starts yeah. at the apex of this corner, and that's where the truck leaking the fuel came out of. So the driveway was in the perfect location for just a really light corner. It was probably like a 140 degree corner. It wasn't a hairpin. It was just a very moderate right turn. Not yeah. anything technical. There's no elevation change. It was just a kind of your typical curve. And where this person's driveway was, where this truck came out, was like the perfect point to leak this crap all over the. And, and that's not, I'm not talking about a puddle. Like, not a square or a circle of oil. I'm talking about the entire lane for 100 yards to the next street. They made a left turn and leaked it all the way down the next road. So that's not something that you ever expect to be there. You know, kind of like a deer. I don't know. (laughs) A deer jumping out at you. I wouldn't know anything about that. (laughs) Or anything just, you know, or like someone setting up booby traps for motorcyclists. They're just things that you, these are the, I think, 0.001% of accidents that you would never expect to happen. Like drunk drivers hitting you. You wouldn't expect someone to be in your lane in the oncoming because they're drunk and they're driving in the wrong lane. This is, this was just one of those things. So that's why for me, I'm not going to stop riding or avoid riding. I'm not. I may worry a little bit more about some corners <laughs> and look for look for wet pavement, I guess. But I just think it's something that could never happen again because it's just so random and weird. Very weird. And since I was all the way in the front, people were so far behind me, they didn't... Nobody... Well, so Evan did fall down. Because as he came up on the corner, he saw me sitting on the guardrail. So then he was looking at me. He didn't see the fuel on the road either. Because uh-uh, why no. would you expect there to be fuel on the road? And why then, is Joanne sitting on the yeah. guardrail? <laughs> so then he did. He went over really slow. He was probably going like 10. And he fell over and he landed on his wrist. 
but he's pretty much okay. He just has a sore wrist. So he didn't break anything either. That's good, because he uses yeah. it a lot. Yeah. No, he does. So he's fine. He's back to normal. We were just in a lot of walking pain, kind of, you know. Yeah. Just that, like, post-accident sore pain, so. Hands so, and wrists are very important to a computer guy. Very true. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and a, and a motorcyclist, so. Yeah. He's fine. He didn't, you know, he didn't really break anything. He didn't slide or anything. It was just really small, so. Yeah, he and I, I were the only ones, really. Three people I knew in a period of 24 hours all went down in epic crashes. And so I'm hoping so that this is done. That weekend, another friend of ours, well, I think that next day, a friend of ours was rear-ended at a stoplight. Lightly, uh. thank God. And then, oh, and the day before, my friend Dimitri, he low-sided in the Navy hard in mud. He, he said it was his own fault. But he was just, luckily it was mud. So he was dirty, but that's really it. He broke his turn signal, I think, and he broke a peg or something. But um, it's riding it's riding season. People are crashing, you know, people outside. But uh, the good news is I get Still a new terrible. bike this week. Yeah, it's it was terrible, but I'm over it. I really so am. So you were, were you able to make all the right negotiations on the one you were showing me? Yeah, I made as much as I could. Um, you know, I think I... I, I got a really good deal on my last bike, so there was no way I could get really? a good deal. I got a really good deal on that one. This one um, is a little more, but it's worth it because it's uh, less miles in perfect condition. Nobody dropped it. Nobody broke turn signals. Nobody scuffed anything. It's in pristine condition. Same same black and, same color. Uh, and mm-hmm. gold bling. Same nice. year. Yep. Same everything. Just awesome. newer and nicer. Because it was not dropped. So, pick that up. I'm trying to pick that up Thursday. Congrats. If I'm lucky, maybe Wednesday, but I think it's going to be Thursday. Yeah, probably Thursday. Should be good. So, for most people, they won't even know I have a new bike because it's the same bike. You can't tell the difference between this bike and the last bike. The only difference between the two is this one has a fender eliminator. So, it has a fancy license plate holder. Instead of the long license plate holder. Tail. Yeah, so yeah. the long tail, it's got the short, it's a Rizoma. It's a really nice license plate. Ooh. Yeah, so fancy. That's fancy the only, Italian on the British. Huh? It's the only difference between these two bikes and the mileage. It's got 3,100 miles on it instead of... Nice. Yeah, so it's in way better shape. It's all good. So, lesson is, as always, wear all your stuff. Just wear all your crap. Just put it all on. Just put it all on. And if you don't want to put it on, then you better be ready to go to the hospital, pay your deductibles, and sit in the hospital for like a couple weeks. You know, because you're too injured to go back to work. Or you could just do a GoFundMe campaign because I've seen a couple of those. (laughs) For what? Because For people crashing. And not wearing gear. And and this is where I have to draw the... <laughs> Joanne will probably just sigh, but I'll throw in my two cents of angry not wisdom. Not money. No. I'm totally fine with people, and I think we've said this before, totally fine with people who acknowledge that there is a risk that what happened to Brittany as she was, you know, a passenger, uh, Brittany Moore of Rock the Gear... That, that are aware of what happened to her and the worst that can come out of a crash. Uh, well, actually, that would probably be second worst to death. But uh, if you're aware that that can happen and you still choose to not wear gear, hey, more you know, it's your choice. We're not trying to push gear on every single person alive because we somehow get uh, 10% from each of these manufacturers every time someone says, ah, gear I told me to wear gear. wish I did. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we just want to make sure that folks out there are aware that those kinds of things can happen to you. You, you know, low crashes. I've crashed at 55 and probably like 15 or 20. And uh, 15 or 20, I bonked my head nicely. And uh, at 55, I probably did less damage to myself overall. But I can tell you both times I wore gear and I was totally, you know, from head to toe. And the concussion one, the short, uh, low-speed accident, 
That, I could have really broken my ankle in a bad way. And I, for at least a month, and your leg I, still, I still had uh, a pretty sore ankle. And I think it's just now, like, mm. I, I angered something, tendon or whatnot. But at any rate, even with a, a low, low crash like that, low speed, low side, you know, whatever, um, I still could have done some serious damage to my ankle. Um, mm. So <laughs> the point being, we just want you to understand your risk. We want you to know that when you're a new rider and you see all these people looking cute and cool in their motorcycle boots or their fry boots and their jeans and their cute little jackets and and three-quarter face helmets, that that looks awesome. And probably on a closed course, if I was filming or doing some ads uh, or... Something along those lines. I would probably wear a three-quarter face helmet for a photo shoot. But I can't say that I've ever ridden... Actually, I've never even worn one to this day in my life. I've never ridden without a full face helmet because I I heard one story about someone crashing without one, and that was just it for me. But point being, we want you to understand what the risks are because the best decision, in my opinion, is a well-informed one. If you know all the risks of what you're doing and you still decide to do it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But you, you know, th- the worst thing I could ever possibly hear is someone who, oh, really? That, that could happen? Like, are you serious? Like, how do you not, you know? So there are folks, the, the last GoFundMe thing I think I saw um, was someone who was showing his girlfriend or his sister how to ride a, a motorcycle in a parking lot. And she wasn't geared up. And I'm almost thinking, really? Like, learning how to ride a motorcycle and you're not wearing a lot of gear? Like, Mm. I think that's when, like, the most mistakes could possibly happen. Mm. And uh, I think she uh, got a little throttle happy. And usually what happens is when the throttle gets away from you, you're probably still holding on really tight, which means the throttle is getting away from you infinitely faster. Mm -hmm. And I don't think she had the right helmet on, right size. She definitely didn't have the right gear, so she basically killed the bike and probably nearly killed herself, and they're looking to fund her surgical stuff. And I, you know, I have a really hard time with with kicking in for people's campaigns when they're just not geared up or making the right decisions. I just really have a hard time with that, and that might make me sound hmm. like a complete jerk, but... Is there at least any mention in the campaign, like from this person like i wish i had the right stuff i know and now i shouldn't have been wearing that and i should have educated myself better or asked questions is there any acknowledgement no, of that no and i really wish like that Not would even that that would make me interested or at least closer God. to contributing and i've seen a couple things where people would leave these big group ride events they would go back home and they would ride on, uh, you know, the right side of the highway until they went around a corner and cut super wide into the oncoming traffic lane and got hit head on. And then that was also a campaign. And I'm like, mm. you know, I, I mean, it's probably different if you know somebody personally. Yeah. But yeah. as far as the, you know, random solicitations that we see on the Internet nowadays with uh, GoFundMe type accident stuff, mm. I just I I just wish that more of these kind of group gatherings involved gear discussion and maybe at the very least some, you know, invited someone who does basic training, MSF training, or, you know, someone who has a a local uh, group that teaches multiple advanced classes and have like a day or half a day of involving that with their ride out. I, I would love to see stuff like that. I would totally be behind it. But I just have a really hard time with the uh, romanticism that that Vogue article a while back did. And, and the fact that people just, I think, are glaringly unaware of what can happen when you're not wearing gear. And it just frustrates me. I, yeah. I mean, I'm basically, of course, I feel the same way. I, you know, I'm just, I just want you to have your questions answered. I want people to know what could happen to them because I feel like if someone told them otherwise, they would totally disagree with their partner's or friend's plan or decision 
made for them on their behalf. And I see it every day working and I see it every day on the internet. People making other people making decisions for other people without that person having any information presented or knowing what the hell's going on. And that person also needs to be accountable. Because if you're going to go for a joyride with your friend on your bike, on a bike, you should know what you're getting into because it could yeah. be terrible. There could be horrific results that you're not ready for. And or if, if you're going to teach someone to ride, <laughs> it's the same thing. You should be. You want, like, I mean, it's it's my same principle for for not wanting to give someone a two-up ride or not wanting to give someone a ride on the back of my bike. Mm -hmm. I'm accepting complete and full and utter responsibility, not even financially, like we could go down that road too, but I'm accepting complete responsibility for someone else's life. Totally different when I drive a car (laughs) because I can't tip over with one of those. But I don't, I'm not willing to make that kind of statement of taking on someone else's response, you know, taking on the responsibility of someone else's life. So when you do, you know, have someone ride with you and you are willing to take that risk and responsibility, you need to make sure that they're geared up as much as you, if not more. And if you're teaching someone to ride, same thing. They're relying on you to... Uh, show them this exciting new thing that they see, you know, everywhere and they're just stoked. Oh my God, my friend's going to teach me how to ride this weekend. It's going to be so awesome. Well, everyone remembers when they first learned to ride, there's this thing called the throttle and, you know, um, the MSF course, when I took it was like the first time I'd ever touched a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. So everyone's experience is different. But I remember they taught you, like, even without even turning the bike on, where, like, quarter turns and how to understand, mm-hmm. like, what percentage of the throttle you're actually turning. Yep. Because you definitely don't want to crank it, you know, 100% of where it'll go in your yep. first in your first take on the bike. But, I mean, just understand that this person is brand new and you just want to cover them up from head to toe because you're showing them something exciting. And this could be, like, a make or break it. Like... If you want so badly this person to have the best first experience ever on a motorcycle, you want to make sure that they don't get hurt. You definitely, you know, you're taking a lot of responsibility training someone, but at the same time, you want to give them the best possible experience. So why not, you know, make sure that they're wearing as much properly fitting gear as they can. And, you know, plenty of people, if if someone were to say, hey, Christy, um, my friend has the same build as you and I want to teach her how to ride this weekend. Can we borrow your gear? Absolutely. Take it. Go for it. And like that, there's got to be someone you know out there that could help you out if you don't want to commit to buying that kind of stuff. Yeah, and that, you know, when you're when you're an adult, you have responsibility to act like one and ask questions. You know, you are you're you're an adult, you know how to think for yourself. You should know how to say things like what could happen to me on this thing. What are we what are the real risks? And I'm sorry, but don't just take their answer of, oh, everything's going to be fine, or everything, it'll be okay, or nothing's going to happen. Answer is the only answer, because um, you're all you're in it as much as the driver is in it. You're not any safer because you're not driving the vehicle. You're going to, whatever happens to the person in front happens to the person in back, and sometimes far worse. Now, there are absolutely zero there should be zero tolerance policies for kids on motorcycles that are not geared up. You as an adult, you know how to make decisions and you know how to find information and figure out what the right answer is, right? When you make a choice to do something, people under the age of 21 or 18, they don't know that they're kids when they're 12, when they're 14, when they're 10, they don't know any better. They only know what you're telling them. And when you let kids go out and they're not geared up at all, or they're minimally geared, like fingerless gloves, like half helmet and shorts and a t-shirt, you are pretty much sealing their fate. And that's not fair because your job as an adult is to be the adult and make the informed choices for these minors. And it kills me to see kids on bikes on the back and they're not wearing anything. Really, a fingerless gloves going to do anything? Is a half helmet really going to do anything for a kid? Nothing. 
It's disgusting. To me, that's absolutely disgusting. Like, that's not fair. If your kid knew what she was in for, she would probably not even want to get on the bike without wearing everything. Some kids are pretty smart. And I find a lot of kids are hell of a lot smarter than adults. So if you're a kid or you know a kid that's riding like that with their parent, tell them what they're up against. Because I bet you they're not going to want to get on the back of that thing if they knew what what could happen to them. And I just think that's really dangerous. So every time I see a kid, I just want to throttle the adult because that's not fair to a child. They're not, they're not grownups. Like that's, they don't know. It's totally unfair. Just sickens me. I don't like that. (laughs) I don't like it. Now we'll back off our gear pedestal. (laughs) Why do you think when kids are involved? Yeah. There should be a line. There should be a hard line. Rockin'. Now that Tell we've us. provided. <laughs> Still on the, yeah, now that we've probably lost <laughs> half our listeners on the geared tirade. Um, <sighs> which brings us down to two right about now. Uh, tell us about this uh, new video that we're going to link to our show notes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. You talking about jackets. I did. So I've done my second RevZilla video. I've done two now. Well, okay. I've I've been in videos where I'm the standing mannequin, but this <laughs> time I'm uh, this time I'm participating in a series they call Geek Speak, because Geek is the title given to all of our customer service specialists, um, nice. who you will talk to if you call Revzilla or you come into the store. We are all kind of classified as geeks, um, geeks about motorcycle gear. So the series is called Geek Speak. And we answer questions from people on YouTube channels, or if there's a question on Facebook, or maybe a comment on Twitter, then about gear, or maybe even accessories, or just, you know, general apparel and accessory questions. Um, They'll ask us to answer these questions in a video called Geek Speak. So if you've been on Revzilla's YouTube channel, now they have like 78 or something, 79. So I have two now. Um, my last one is about long sleeve jackets for women. So the longest sleeved options. So I threw out all my recommendations for touring, for racing, or race leathers, for sport touring, for just every lifestyle I could think of. I threw out longer sleeve jackets. This was also for a taller woman who was fairly slender Um, but also had really long sleeves. So I hope that helps some of my fellow women riders out there. And of course, every jacket I mention, of course, there's a men's version. So if you're a man and you have the same issues, look at the same models and you'll, you'll have the same experience as well. Sweet. Yeah. So I'll be doing, um, I'll be doing more women's specific apparel video questions as they come up. So if you have questions on, if there's a video you've seen and you have like a gear related, or you just have some general, I don't know, women's specific gear questions and you want me to answer it, post it on uh, Revzilla's Facebook page or their Twitter feed or on their YouTube video and they'll probably have me answer it. So I'll post links to that as well. And last but not least. Okay. If you happen to be a Motorcyclist Magazine subscriber, or perhaps you're not, and you want to see a write-up about my trip through Rajasthan, you know, in the August issue, they save the best for last. So on the very last page, you will see uh, my write-up on taking the Bonneville through Rajasthan. So since I have quite a few copies... If someone is listening and is in the United States, because I don't really trust uh, international mail, and you have me listening to this podcast, and you happen to think, you know, I don't even know where they sell Motorcyclist Magazine, and I'm not a current subscriber. Christy, please send me an issue. Yeah. Please email me, first person who does. I will shoot you a copy of the magazine. You can also, if you are out of reach of the Americas, you can also buy a digital subscription like I did for the iPad. So you can have it on your iPad too. The full color, everything, just, you know, electronic. So that's another way to get it as well. I think, mm, yeah. So I think that might round us out for 67. 
Did I get the number right? 67? Yep. Just making sure. I always forget what number we're in. So we hope this extra, slightly extra long version will keep you for a couple more weeks. Makes up for the fact that I'm slacking. (laughs) We will try to be back in two weeks promptly, uh, which will be 4th of July weekend, by the way. Ooh. Yes. Uh, I will be around. I don't, I think we're going to be around. We may not. Yeah. We might go riding, but it depends mm-hmm. when he gets his bike back. He's, his bike is, just needs parts, so he just has to go online, go shopping, buy his parts, and then make them, you know, put them all on. Is it just the slider, or he's got more? He's got a couple things. Exhaust, huh. um, covers, some engine cover things. Mm, um, nifty. What else? So, in okay. addition to it being episode 67... We also have surpassed our uh, downloads. Oh. We have 104,000 and some change. Downloads? Mm-hmm. Very nice. That's total. Yeah, total downloads. Sweet. Very nice. Thank you to everybody who has downloaded. Keep on downloading. As always, please email us or message us through Facebook at Motorific Podcast. We'd love, definitely want to hear your feedback. If you have questions or topics you want us to talk about, we're thrilled to read anything, you know, any ideas you have. Um, Gear questions. Anything. Yeah, bikes, whatever. Anything you like, please let us know. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter as ADV Goddess and on Gear Chick, um, or send us an email. Lots of ways to contact us. Until then, we will see you in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening.